Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza power! That's right, when super giant pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to our first track from our chiptune artist of the week, Reezy. And that was called Snow for the Holidays. Very fitting because this is the final episode of the year for Pixel Pizza as of this recording. We will be seeing you in 2023, but before that, we are ending the year off sending you off with some holiday cheer with our latest and greatest guest leo dasso best known for his work at moon loop games on the upcoming game haunty how are you doing leo doing pretty good i'm trying to stay warm because i'm in like a cold winter state right now oh yeah yeah what I, state I, are you in? uh minnesota oh okay yeah <laughs> We got like four inches of snow today, and there's supposed to be another five or six coming tonight. Wow. Yeah, stay warm for sure. Yeah. How about yourself? How you doing? I'm good. I'm in LA, and it's it's a little bit cold here. Nothing compared to what you're going through, but... Yeah, probably no snow, right? No snow. Get snow in LA. No snow. It's like 45 degrees, which is cold for us. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was, uh, like, two, three years ago, I was here in Minnesota in January. Mm -hmm. And I was visiting a friend in L.A. And when I left Minnesota, it was, like, probably minus five degrees. It was just, like, awful wind and snow and, like, piercing cold. And then landed in L.A. And that time, it was, like, 55. And so it was... (laughs) It's like a different world. And uh, I landed. I was just like, ah, oh, so nice. <laughs> yeah, to- totally different. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, no worries. So I like to start off the show by asking, when in your life did you know you wanted to make games? Oh, good question. So I had done it. I started like around age 11. And... Uh, it was about 2001, 2002. So there, there weren't as many tools back then as, as these days, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had uh, in, in school, like for math class, we had TI-83 graphing calculators. And you could program on those. And I had a friend that taught me how to program on those. And it was just like really, the language was like basic. Like that's the name of the language. It was basic. Right. And it was it was like an entry level, like beginner language. So easy to pick up and you could draw little pictures on the 
graph. Like you would have to move the pointer like one pixel at a time and draw the pictures. And so I would make like stupid little like text adventure and um, yeah, I, I tried making an RPG, but it was like beyond what I could do at that time. And so I knew it was like an enjoyable thing back then. Uh, most of my life I had focused on artwork. Yeah, probably up until I was like 16, I thought I was going to be science major or something like I was, I was planning to go to MIT. And then I just had a lot of uh, experiences, especially early high school. You know, I, I can remember a few specifically like playing Final Fantasy nine for the first time. And oh, uh, sure. it's, it's one of those games that's, it's really an experience because it it's this whole world and it's so magical and you sort of fall in love with these characters and you're going on this journey and there's this one uh <laughs> i hope i'm not getting too in the details here but for any anyone listening who's played final fantasy 9 you remember this part where you, you get to the first city Lindblom, and it's this beautiful cutscene, and it's like this big vista opening up and I, that made such a huge impression on me that I, I was like, I want to do something like this, but I didn't know how. Or it's like, oh, these games are all made in Japan. Like, what am I gonna move to Japan or something? And then I kind of like learn more about it. Uh, so I guess yeah, sometime in high school, I was like, yeah, I want to do something creative like this. Yeah, it really shows you games like that show you how powerful the medium can be. Absolutely, yeah, it can it can change your life really, I, it, especially. If you uh, maybe live in an isolated place, like I, I grew up in a kind of isolated place and just being able to experience that and uh, you kind of feel connected to something. What were your experiences with game development after high school? So after high school, I, I had done some flash games in high school. Like, I don't know if you know of Newgrounds. Oh, sure. Yeah, so I, I published some stuff to Newgrounds. And I, I continued with Flash after high school, but if you know anything about Flash, uh, it it died. <laughs> Flash is no longer a thing. So uh, just as I was, I was kind of like starting to get pretty adept at it, it. It was like around the time when Apple was like, "Oh, let's let's kill this thing." And uh, I had a friend of a friend at the time who knew Unity, and this was. Unity had been around a few years at this point, but I didn't know about it. And so, you know, I wanted to make a game and I came and I was like, let's make this game. Do you know Flash? He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> We're going to use <laughs> Unity. And so that's when we kind of moved over to Unity. And, you know, that's like a whole new learning curve. But oh, sure. It's definitely like without a doubt, 100% better environment for making games. Yeah, Unity is really accessible. Do you remember what that game idea was? Yeah, that game was called Ballpoint Universe. And it was an entire game. Like, all the graphics were... <coughs> Excuse me. We were... They were all, like, ballpoint doodles on uh, notebook paper. Like, you would oh. find... Yeah, so the story was that these doodles, like, from the margins of a, like, college notebook came to life <clears throat> and uh that game's still out there you can find it on steam and uh wii u Funny oh enough. wow yeah <laughs> so that 
And yeah, we we worked on that game for about a year and got to a point where we're like, this will never get released. And then something, I think it was Steam Greenlight, because at the time you couldn't just get on Steam and we had a Greenlight campaign. And we got Greenlit and we were like, oh my God, like, ah. And so it gave us a big boost of energy to finish it. And... Gabe Newell himself gave you approval. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gabe blessed us <laughs> down, down from the heavens. So then from there was Haunty always the next project or was there something in between? No, after that. So Haunty didn't even exist as an idea until probably like late 2018. And uh, it, it was a totally different idea back then. But no, our next project after that was called Diluvian and it was an undersea like submarine Jules Verne style adventure Ooh. game. And Deluvian, it's a really cool idea and it's a cool world. Uh, but the problem we had with it was we overscoped. Oh, and sure. It, it's really easy to do as an indie because you're, you know, your manpower is so limited. It's like we had three devs, right? So with, with three people, you're going to get overwhelmed really quickly. And in the beginning, we had kind of like planned everything on paper and had all these like cool areas and like different sea creatures and submarines. And, you know, when you get to actually implementing it, you get to realize like, oh, shit, yeah, <laughs> this is too much. Uh, so that was, uh, I made that for about four years. And again, it released, I think in an ideal world, we would have been able to like make more of it because there was a lot of stuff we had to cut but um yeah it was, it was a cool project it just it definitely burnt us out i'd say i can imagine how did you recover from that feeling of burnout oh i quit <laughs> i quit <laughs> i quit game development uh after that like i we we did a uh second release with like additional content and after that i was just so burnt out that um I was like, I'm done, done with games. I, I was broke at the time. I was like, I, you know, I, I wanted to come out of this like a millionaire, like every every indie thinks sure. they will be after their game releases. <laughs> and I was broke and and tired, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna work in healthcare. And then I, I got like a nice cushy corporate job and made a lot of money. I mean, relatively, you know, it was like average corporate job and did that for a year and a half. And uh, I, God, I was so bored. Like those jobs, okay, for anyone who's been a, a game dev your whole life, those like normal jobs, they're so easy. Like, <laughs> they ask so little of you compared to what you're asked of in games. Wow. So if you need a break, like those are great. And it was it was cool, you know. My coworkers were really cool. It was neat to like see the guts of of uh, these like huge corporations. Um, but I, I found myself like always doodling and like wanting to go back to something more creative. And uh, you know, I was I was working on Haunty during this time, but it was called Shooty Ghost. <laughs> like that was the working title 
and it, you know just like real simple experimental kind of stuff it was nothing like it, it didn't look like what it does now yeah and that was something i noticed when i was sort of researching the project and your history was that this game has evolved so much tonally and conceptually and i was wondering how did you end up coming to the vision that it is right now there's a few way that a few ways it evolved the the first one is just the story of the game because when it first started you know i i was like well i want something with a ghost because i don't want to animate legs and <laughs> so i knew it was going to be a ghost and i was like oh what if it's just like a quick revenge story like you play as a ghost and you're going to this castle to get revenge on like a dracula type of whatever <laughs> like some uh stereotypical evil boss mm. <clears throat> um and that just it just wasn't a very interesting story like revenge stories have been done to death and there's a lot of really good revenge stories and i don't want to like go up against that so the story kind of changed to be more about like a plausible like afterlife lore where it's like, you know, this ghost arrives in an afterlife and there's this whole like civilization there that that is um, the civilization of, of, it's like a race centered around processing ghosts. And the way they do that is, is kind of by taking the ghosts on a journey to um, it, sort of break all their uh, mortal attachments, which I, I I think that's a, to me, that's a much more interesting story because I think it's, it, it's definitely relatable. Like anyone can relate to like, because everyone has something they're attached to. And so I think you can kind of like project yourself into that position. Like, oh man, if I died tomorrow, like what would I, um, you know, what would I have to detach from? Um, I, I, it's also it's not meant to be like too serious or grim like we we want it to be like a fun um like it, it, at times lighthearted and sometimes it's a bit more somber but it's definitely not like a grim like oh you're dead uh, do all these grim duties right it's a tough balance to achieve i feel like for sure yeah it's uh but yeah i think there's like a lot of parts of the game where it's, it definitely wants you to have fun. It doesn't want you to be depressed about death. Like it's, it's more of a fun type of thing. So the second way the game evolved was just stylistically, like the first style was kind of a 2D, like cartoony. Um, it was full color originally. The original game was full color and then that style just didn't stand out that much. It it just kind of looked like a mobile game. And mm. so I was like, yeah, like, I don't want to go a whole game like this. <clears throat> Sorry. So as a, as a dev, you know, you spend hundreds of hours with your project and uh, it's, it's easy to like a style at first and then like 50 hours down the road, you're like, you know what? I'm not in love with this. <laughs> yeah. So you really, really have to like a style to commit to it for 
um, the length of a game project. And so I think the style changed two, two times. The whole project style changed before we uh, came to the current one. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that from so many developers on this show that when you're starting a game, there's like this honeymoon phase where you're excited about the idea. And then hours and hours in, you're like, what the hell did I get myself into? Oh, yeah, that's it's so true. So true. It, especially, you know, you get into trouble with mechanics because it's like you come up with a mechanic and you're like, oh, this will be so cool. And then months later, realize it like dawns upon you the amount of work that you've created for yourself. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the top three things you want listeners to know about Haunty? One, you can wishlist it now. Go to gimloop.com <laughs> slash Haunty. Uh, it, so it's on Steam. Uh, you can wishlist it. And we always appreciate that. Uh, it's a very accessible game to people who are not like hardcore gamers. And that's one of the, that's like one of our core design principles. And we test for this a lot. Like we get people who don't normally play games. We're like, here, here, sit down, just try this. Mm. So if you're someone who likes the artwork or the story, but you feel intimidated by uh, the difficulty or complexity of some games, then we want you to try Haunty because we, we put a lot of work into making sure that it's something that people can pick up without feeling intimidated by. And three, the music is dope. Like it's really hard to convey because the music is <coughs> I'm like recovering from a cold right now. So uh, I'm going to be coughing a lot during this podcast. All good. <coughs> so the music is really cool. It's hard to, you can't just like listen to a track because when you're playing the game, like the music is dynamic and it will change based on like where you are and what you're doing. Oh, so it's a really cool feeling. And uh, Michael Ward, the, composer for Haunty. He also did the music for Deluvian. And if anyone out there is looking for like a really cool chill soundtrack to listen to, just like go to YouTube and, and type Deluvian OST, like D-I-L-U-V-I-O-N. And the whole soundtrack is up there and it's, it's really great. Awesome. How did you and your team come together? So there, the, Haunty is just Michael and myself. It's, I do the, uh, the game, game design programming and artwork, and he does the music composition. And we, I mean, we kind of decide story and, and characters. Like we talk about it a lot, like all the time. So the, the writing and lore is like a collaboration between us. But we came together originally in 2015 to work on Deluvian when uh, we were, <clears throat> we had just gotten the project funded and Michael saw a Reddit post with the trailer and he went ahead and composed an entire like theme for the game. And then he just sent it to me. He was like, Hey, what? yeah. <laughs> wow. It, like fully orchestrated the whole shebang. And he's, he, he sent us like a Reddit message and he was like, Hey, I really like your project. Like, I just 
put this together and it it just blew us away and we like immediately hired him that's sick yeah it's crazy like for for someone to not even like to just cold compose an entire track and then send it it's but it, it was great i mean it worked out yeah that's that's such a cool way to connect uh you mentioned before that there were like a few different design principles you had for the game one was to be accessible what were the others Another one is minimalism. There's a lot of ways where we try to rein things in and <clears throat> particularly we're inspired by uh, Journey does minimalism very well. Oh yeah. Journey has like one dimension of growth uh, as far as your character progression and that's like the length of your scarf. But they, they really rein things in like they could have gone, you know, full like skill tree and level up and all that. But uh, it would, with, with some games, you can tell it's like a very intentional design decision. And um, you know that it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like you, you can go minimal and then you can kind of get people to lose interest if, if, it, if they are looking for that level of complexity. But I think if you go minimal and you really, uh, you're able to focus attention on like the environment and the lore and the characters and like really to charm people with it. It, it can turn out very well. Yeah. And I imagine, uh, I mean, I don't know how long Haunty is, but with Journey, that's with the duration of that game. If you incorporated a lot more mechanics and story beats and ideas, they wouldn't be able to reach their full potential within the duration of the game. Yeah, I think so. And uh, the the duration should be roughly the same. I think Haunty, we were looking at, I mean, this could change, but it seems to be about six to eight hours, depending mm. on, um, you know, player skill and how much they want to do completion. So yeah, that's, that's definitely something to consider. Like if you want a game to be 25 hours, or more, you know, you have to have some more areas of of like character progression and skill tree and all that. Right. Uh, so the other core theme is surprise, which is kind of a vague uh, theme, but it's like we want people to not really be able to guess what's going to come next. And I, one of the best moments that I've ever had as a developer was we had, there was a live playthrough of Haunty on IndieLand, which was like a, a fundraising event that the completionists did last month. Yeah, I was there. Oh, you were there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was really That's cool. right. Yeah. I, I remember now you, you saying in the email that you, Okay, yeah. No, I'm all putting it together. I've yeah, had so many the game emails. Yeah, totally stuck out to me and I was like I have to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was this part like this It's a part of the game where I didn't think much of it, but it's this like ladybug creature that you can haunt and for the listeners haunting is where you like take control over another creature. And when they did that in the playthrough like the whole room just kind of lit up. 
And I was like, oh yeah, this is surprising to people. Like we're so used to it, we don't even notice, but I think that like really hit home for us. We we're like, yeah, we gotta make surprise like a real core part of this game. That is definitely one of the best feelings as a player is to be surprised, I think for me. Oh, for sure. When you just don't expect it and yeah, one game that does that really well is near automata have you played oh that? yes absolutely yeah because it <clears throat> I'll, I'll walk you through so my thoughts when i first got that game is my friends like you know you gotta play this game and i, I bought it you know it was like 60 dollars at the time and it turned on and i was like wait is this just like a 2d bullet hell like, right the top just... town shooter yeah did i just pay like full price for a 2d <laughs> bullet hell and then the first like 15 minutes of the game are like that. I was like, all right, like that, I'm sure it's fine. And then it, you know, they, she blows through the wall and then it turns into like a Bayonetta brawler. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was a really cool moment. Yeah. And that game is full of those sorts of things. Yeah. It's like, surprise, you have uh, depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, so yeah. many crushing moments. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how much I want to spoil for the audience, but yeah, they, there's really it, not much we can say about it. Yeah, other than play it. Yes, it's it's on Switch now. I think so. Very accessible. Mm. Yeah. So I think now is probably a good time for us to go to our musical break for the episode. We're going to be hearing once again from Reezy. And the track you'll be hearing is called Cyanide Mixture. So enjoy that and we'll be back shortly. to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to Cyanide Mixture by Reezy, and now we are back with Leo talking about Haunty. 
So something else I found on your website is that you do game consulting. I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about that. Yeah. So I've had a, a couple clients over the past year, uh, uh, probably two or three years now. And you know, Moonloop was just founded uh, probably eight months ago. So, you know, it, it's kind of just getting set up for consulting, but I, I kind of wanted to make that available for, for, there's a lot of people that either they, they want like a development staff, but it's like a small project. So the budget's kind of lower and they can't afford to have like, you know, a team of 10 people join on or they're in a industry that is just not gaming in the typical sense. Like one of, uh, <clears throat> one of my clients is a like golf gaming. Uh, they do like golf games and also putt-putt where it's like uh like an actual physical putt-putt course, but then they have a, a digital display oh, and, and, so like the UI and, and all every aspect of the digital display is made in unity. And there are a lot, there are a lot of people like that who, um, you know, in, in one industry or the, or the other, but they want someone who can create uh, kind of like rich interactive game style stuff that may or may not be like a game in the, in the original sense. That's interesting. I know, I mean, I guess follow-up question if, I don't know if this is possible because it sounds like it's such a wide variety, but are there, is there like, like one or two recurring points that you sort of bring up to people when they come to you for consultation? Um, <laughs> it's kind of, the projects are all pretty different. Like one of them was like a VR music experience and one of them is this like golf and putt-putt and uh <clears throat> yeah it, it's they're all quite different but generally i always suggest to like organize the the unity project in a certain way mm. just that you know, there are certain paradigms when you're working in unity that will just make your life a lot easier for the duration of a project so uh, almost always, almost every client I've had has had like a, I'm just going to go, I'm going to try to explain this in a like way that non devs will be able to pick it up. I appreciate that. But they'll have, um, just a huge object in the, the scene. Uh, so just like, you know, a stage play has scenes like unity has scenes and they'll just have a huge object that keeps all the data. And, and I always suggest like, you should break that up into little objects because when you're, when you're working with version control, it just makes it a lot easier. Like if you can, if you just need to change one little aspect, you can just go to that little object and make a change. And, um, so that, that's one thing that I always, uh, tend to tell people. But um, yeah, otherwise it, it, it really is, all the projects are quite different. So there's not like a general 
there's not like a rule book, I guess. Well, that's still a really good point to know, I feel like, to keep your... Uh, oh, I forgot how I was going to phrase it, but you, you phrased it better already. <laughs> yeah, just keeping the project organized. Is... Yeah, organized, yeah. totally. So, I mean, maybe that's part of it, but another question I like to ask is, what's something about your personal process that nobody knows? I do a lot of work on paper. Oh. Um, I, I feel like I'm not the only one. That's not like a big secret. But with, with uh, game design especially, you know, there are so many tools available to us. And if I work directly in the engine, like I'm not, you know, planning things out on paper, I get carried away. You know, I'll be, I'll be like, okay, I need to like set up this environment. And then one of the tools you're working with is like a grass tool. And then it's like six hours later, you're still playing with the grass tool. And you're like, look at all these cool things the grass thing can do. And <laughs> it just get completely sidetracked. So I like to, uh, plan out new stages and stuff on a on a notebook before moving them into the engine. So kind of like storyboarding. Yeah, it's like really ugly storyboards. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, you know, now I feel like from what I've seen, there is a good community around Haunty that's supporting it. And I was wondering how you were able to build that up. There is, we have an awesome discord where a lot of people share their own creative work. And we had, we had a Haunttober contest, which was leading up to Halloween. Like people would design their own ghosts and then submit them. So that, that was really cool to see. Most people joined the Haunty discord either from they had come from the Kickstarter or just uh, saw something about it on Twitter. And like, if, if you go to my Twitter, the, the pins tweet has a link to the, the Discord and the website and all that. So I think that's where about half of the people got there. Okay, awesome. And like, are their designs going to go in the game? Yeah, two of them. Uh, so we had to pick winners. Uh, so we did a vote and picked uh, a few designs that are actually going to make it into the game. Was yeah, it hard they're... to choose? Sorry? Was it hard to choose? Well, we didn't choose necessarily. Oh. Like, it was voted by the community. Oh, great. But there were definitely, like, other ones that I wanted that, <laughs> that didn't get voted. I was like, oh, that's such a cool idea, though. So I might just pick a few extra if I have time. Like it's more of a time constraint thing. Oh yeah. But it would definitely be cool to get some more of those characters in there. Cause they're so, they're, all of the ideas people submitted were just so completely different from what I would have come up with. That's yeah. Like what surprised you then? There was a, there was a character who was like, <clears throat> I wish I could remember her name right now, but She's like a DJ ghost and she had like a little waveform on her design that would, it would like change depending on what mood she's in. Oh. Um, 
and she was also like a completely mischievous troublemaker like just like always trying to troll people and like knock things down and i just like i love characters like that yeah that's a great idea so you touched on it a little bit but uh i know there was a kickstarter for the game uh could you talk a bit about that sure so back in uh was it june it was around like june july we we launched a kickstarter and i know now i now know this is not how you're supposed to do it these days but the kickstarter was the announcement So there was like nothing, no info about Hanzi Online before this. And uh, we put up our trailer and the Kickstarter all simultaneously. And uh, I, I was talking to a consultant about this later because I was like, well, where'd we go wrong? Um, and they were like, yeah, you... You can't do that anymore. Like the algorithm of Kickstarter, their algorithm like looks for uh, like first couple hours, you should be having like a couple hundred, um, you know, visits and, and backers and stuff. But anyway, so we didn't reach the goal on Kickstarter. And it was kind of like, I had figured it was like a 50-50 chance when we started. Um, I had done... Kickstarters for two previous game projects, which both got funded, but those were like years ago. And back then, all you had to do was show up and have like a really good trailer and a really nice page, like well presented. Right. And that is, that's not the case anymore. Like now you need to have um, at least somewhat of a community like geared up and ready to go so that like as soon as you launch it, they're, you know, they're jumping on it and that kind of drives the algorithm. That's so, good to know. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> and it's like, uh, while it didn't get funded, it did sort of do the job of kickstarting the project because it sort of got us like really active on social media and um, it brought a lot of attention. Um, well, it's not like Kickstarter drove very little traffic to our our page um but because we were like scrambling and posting on twitter every day that actually got a lot of attention um kind of organically through twitter oh okay was it were there like hashtags that you use or things that you posted that you feel like helped get the message out um there were a few videos like you know we, we would just post like 10 15 second clips from different parts of the game. And there were a few that just really took off for what reason, one reason or the other. Mm. And I, like, I can never guess which one is gonna take off. Like I'll always think like before I post them, like, oh, this one for sure. Or like, you know, I'll post a clip and I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, it's like something. And then that one will just blow up. So I don't know, I don't know how it works. <laughs> It's, it's it unpredictable what catches people's eyes. For sure, yeah. Um, but some of the successful, as far as like hashtags, there's like a screenshot Saturdays, which is a pretty good um, indie game hashtag. Right. And then Wishless Wednesday, where you just post like a video and then Wishless Link. 
what are some of your hopes for the game in the coming year? Well, it should make me fabulously rich, like buy a yacht. Uh, no, but realistically, <laughs> in the coming year. So we're hoping to launch uh, 2024, um, which means that I have about a year of development left. And um, I, I guess our hopes for it is that we, we continue to feel inspired and sort of get the creativity flow. And we, we have a story outline. I would definitely, I, you know, there's a, there's like, you have the script, you know, the, that's written down and then how it actually is conveyed in the game. And I hope that it comes across uh, how, like the way that we're imagining. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just hope we have a, a good launch and that, um, people receive it well. Yeah, that's so challenging uh, to be able to, you know, have convey a story to have it in your head and have players see it the way that you did. Have you been testing for that? Not really. It's, uh, I would say not enough of the story is actually implemented. Oh, okay. Um, for like, the part that we've been testing the most is is really the the prologue and you know uh shigeru miyamoto talks about the importance of the first level oh yeah like in in conveying the core concepts of the game and just like um explaining to people how to play without actually explaining like in a, a tutorial text box but in our case, because the, the game is fairly plot driven, the uh, what the prologue does is it it sets up the motivations of, of the main character. And so that's gone through a lot of testing because we want people by the time they get through the prologue, like we we want people to be motivated to like really go all the way and like, you know, uh, like I'm I'm going to die for this character. Like, you know, <laughs> like we want people to really be uh, invested in it. And that's, that's required a, a fair amount of like testing and revision. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll show it to a friend and they'll be like, Oh, why don't you do this? And it's like a suggestion that's not anywhere in the script, but it's way better. So I'm like, Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, so that's happened at least twice. Yeah. You've got to have a really strong hook. I feel like in those first few. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially these days. I mean, I don't know how you are, but I have like 50 games in my Steam library that I've purchased that are just waiting to be played. Oh, yeah. I went crazy this Black Friday. I have like five different games I got. and I'm just yeah. like <laughs> dabbling in between them. Yeah. And like, I don't have that much free time for 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 gaming you know I, it's like maybe an hour a night and if i pick up a game and i'm not really interested in, by 15 minutes i'm just like that not gonna play it right and so i think like you the beginning of your game really has to be a strong hook absolutely it has to set you up to be excited mm. so 
those were all the questions that I really had in mind. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Sorry, dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all right. Um, let me see. Shh. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? He's a Chihuahua mix. Oh, okay. The the smaller the dogs, they're always like the more aggressive ones. Yes, he's not aggressive. He's just when there's somebody at the door, he gets protective of the apartment. But otherwise, he's very sweet. Oh yeah. It's like the only time where he barks. Uh, I guess I do have kind of a message for um, developers or, or I guess anyone creative who's listening. The the message is just um if if you if there's something you want to do whether it's writing a book or or getting into games it, it's important not to talk yourself out of it because i think for a lot of creative people that's like without anyone else telling you that you can't be the first to tell yourself that like so easy when you start because when you start you suck like that's just how it is you and and you don't get good until you practice so when you start and you're like you know what you draw a picture, you look at it, you say, this is terrible. Like, who am I to do this? Uh, how can I get, you know, and there's this whole mental chain that goes through your mind that's sort of discouraging. And my message is to just, you know, you can have those thoughts, but then keep going um, because that everybody starts there. Oh yeah, I've definitely been a victim of those thoughts. I second it for sure. Awesome. Before we go i need to ask this is the pixel pizza podcast where is your favorite pizza place i like pizza hut <laughs> okay i like their stuffed crust uh papa john's is all right too but i feel like papa john's was better um i don't know like six seven years ago i feel like the taste has changed but that could just be my imagination mm. And um, there's another like specific pizza restaurant, but I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, uh, you know, Fogo de Chao, like the Brazilian steakhouse place. I don't think I do. Well, there's this, it's like a fancy, like high-end Brazilian steakhouse kind of deal where they bring like, you just sit at the table and they'll bring like meat after meat after meat, like all these different kinds of meat to you, right? But there's a pizza place that does that. Oh. They bring like 20 different types of pizzas all around and they just give you like a slice. Wow. And it's it was amazing. But that's awesome. Yeah, this isn't very helpful because I don't remember the name. <laughs> What's your favorite pizza place? I mean, you run the pizza podcast. So that's true. That is true. I've mentioned it before. There's a place in New York that I love. Well, it started in Connecticut, but it's called Frank Peppy's. And they have like a pie that's just a tomato pie. It's There's no cheese. It's like fresh tomatoes and tomato sauce. And you can get other toppings on top of it. And that's really good. Of course, they have they you can put cheese on it too. And it's in a brick fire oven. Out here in LA, I really like this place called Fresh Brothers. Uh, and that's a good one. It's kind of flat pizza. Yeah, th those are my main ones right now, but if there are sure other options. Maybe I'll have to start a new segment. 
or <laughs> the recommendation of the day for me, but yeah, <laughs> pizza of the week. Right, exactly. Well, I've never heard of a pizza without cheese, though. Yeah, it's interesting. It's different. It's almost like a bruschetta, but warm and toasty. Yeah, yeah. That kind of that makes me think of like what qualifies as a pizza. But then, okay, I want to ask you this question if we have yeah. time. Yeah. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I don't think so. If it is a sandwich, it's like a subgenre. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like re removed enough that it is its own thing, maybe in the same family, but not not identical. Okay. If that makes any sense. No, yeah, that that's a pretty good answer, Thanks. I think. Because we had this discussion at work, and it, it sort of sent the whole team into an existential crisis of like, Ooh. like is if a hot dog is a sandwich, like what else is a sandwich? Like is a taco a sandwich? Right, tacos, like yeah. Brought up so many things. That does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes you question everything you've ever eaten. <laughs> What was your answer? You know, I don't remember what I said at the time. At this moment, I would say it's not a sandwich. Okay. Oh, no, I said it was a sandwich at the time. And my justification for it was that if you get a Subway sub, you would call that a sandwich. Yeah. And a Subway bread is connected, like, on one side, very much like a hot dog bun. Oh, yeah, so that. I was going by like bread shape. But then I think when you consider the contents of the bread, it's, you know, the hot dog is it's not a sandwich. Yeah, and you're also holding it a different way. Right, yeah. Um, so I had to, you know, change my opinion on that. <laughs> change size. I got convinced, yeah. <laughs> good, good. So where is the best place for people to keep track of you in the game? Best place would probably be on Twitter. That's where the most frequent updates are. And I need to look what my uh, Twitter tag is. So it's at real zigzag Leo. That's my Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so if you go there, there's links to all the different places. If if people prefer like Steam, there's an itch.io page. There's Discord. There's like the the actual homepage, like the Moonloop page for Haunty, which does post updates um, usually monthly. So there's a few places that um, people can check it out. Cool. Well, I will point people in those directions. So. Sounds thank good. Thank you so much for joining me, Leo. This has been great. Yeah, thank you for hosting. This is a lot of fun. I'm glad. So we will be in touch and I'm gonna send our listeners off into the coming year with one final track from Reezy and that is called Night City Driver Strikes Back. So enjoy that from Pixel Pizza. We are signing off. See you soon.
better just dance to this. Tell her. Tell her. 